You're listening to The Whole Testament, a podcast putting the Old and New Testament back together. This episode is the dessert episode in our series, Inside the Tabernacle. Adam and Annie Hammerlink dish with Dave and Stephanie about their role in full-time ministry as modern-day Levites. All right, here we go. All right, camera number one, camera number two. Are we supposed to look at them? Camera number one, camera number two. <laughs> camera two and camera one, right? There. Yeah, so hey, I'm excited to be here with. Um, I gotta get this down. Out. It sounds like you don't even know who we're with. We're like, um, <laughs> uh, what's your name again? <laughs> so yeah, we're. So we have this thing we gotta do. Here's some people. Yeah, that's it. So I'm excited to be here with our friends. Adam and Annie Hammerlink. Uh, we're just just been talking about this uh, in the previous episodes about entering in to the tabernacle and the holiness of being in God's presence and the significance of all the parts that are on that um, in there. And I did mention in the previous episode that we were going to do another entree on the high priest's garments, but due to scheduling conflicts, we were unable to get that recorded. And so we're just going to do the dessert. And this summer, in our shimmer smorgasbord, we're going to have. <laughs> we're going to have Kevin. will will hit on that, and it's pretty cool. He's shared some of his stuff with me, and I'm really excited about it. So we will get to the high priest. But what I thought was. Um, I was thinking about the dessert and what we could do, and I was thinking, you know, what I need is to be able to talk to somebody who has stepped into that, um, our modern-day role of, like, what the Levites were. They were the the ones that brought the people before God and then represented God to the people. And so um, Adam and Annie have transitioned out of regular people life and moved into uh, full-time paid ministry positions and have had lots of experience in that over the last handful of years. And so I thought I would have them join us and talk about what it's like to be that representative um, that has that big responsibility of leading people to Jesus professionally and representing God to to the world. So, yeah. Why don't we just start with, you can tell me who you are, a little bit about yourselves, a little bit of maybe your faith background, and then we'll ask some more questions. Great. You yeah. go first. You want me to go first? Yep. My name is Adam, and uh, Annie and I have been married just over seven years now. Uh, we like to tell people we grew up very differently. Um, she, very. Can tell you about, she can tell you about her growing up, but I grew up um, around church, familiar with church, uh, I would say my family was a Christian family, God-believing family. I wouldn't say we were like a faithful following Jesus family, uh, anything like that. Uh, we became, most of my rem- years I can remember, uh, we were Christmas and Easter, and that's about it. And we were like a moralistic home, but like we didn't really necessarily have grounding for like what those morals were connected to. It was just like some things were right, some things were wrong, but it was kind of like because my parents said they were right and wrong and culture said they were right and wrong. And sometimes even that was gray. So... <clears throat> that was growing up, and then late in high school, um, kind of started going to church, being interested in church, mostly because a girl, uh, girlfriend at the time, family went to church, so I went to church with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like to say that uh, I never encourage parents using boyfriends as a way to get their kids to go to church, but it worked for me. Uh, and, <laughs> a boyfriend? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and and uh, so I was the boyfriend that went to oh, church. Oh, okay, uh, okay. I was confused. I was confused. Um, <laughs> Were you confused? <laughs> and uh, and it worked. <laughs> I'm like just holding it all in, just all the thoughts I want to say. Uh, just gonna hold it right there. It's a gold holding place, and it worked for me, I guess. And God, God used that to get a hold of my heart. And uh, but it wasn't for several years before like faith made sense to me. Or uh, it was finally like later in college where I think I had that moment that was 
you can only live multiple lives or two different lives for so long. And eventually you have to make that decision. And thankfully by God's grace, I made that decision then and not when I was like, you know, 40 something with a wife and kids or whatever that yeah. was. And um, so he humbled me and did a lot uh, on my heart and kind of showed me like there was a couple different options. And I could, I had, that was the first time in my life I remember thinking like, oh, even with God, I get to choose. Like it was like the, I have a choice what my life's going to look like, whether I follow him or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was new for me, I think, even with faith at the time. So decided to give my life to Jesus and um, spent some time thinking about what would that look like in, in the church and those kind of things. Graduated college, uh, ended up doing ministry a little bit. Uh, that was like, okay, this is not for me. God still had a lot of work to do in my heart and had to humble me even more. Ended up in the business world, did investments for a couple of years. That's when I met Annie. So I like to say she got tricked into being a pastor's wife and I got tricked <laughs> into being a pastor because when we started dating and we got engaged, um, I guess technically we got married. Uh, I was an investment advisor, but around that time is also when I felt the call back into ministry. And uh, yeah. Right. And then, we got married and then that same weekend you started your uh, first ministry job. We, we packed up a U-Haul. It was insane. We packed up a U-Haul, drove it to Florida. <laughs> we got to Florida, unloaded the U-Haul. I flew back to Illinois because I was going to seminary at the time mm-hmm. and had to take like a final test. So Andy and my mom unloaded the U-Haul. I took a <laughs> test on a Thursday, flew back to Florida on a Friday, almost missed my flight. That's a different podcast. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, was, started off marriage real strong with that one because I almost missed my flight. And, Which would have made him miss the wedding. Because the next day was our wedding. We got oh. married on Saturday. Left for honeymoon on Sunday, oh, flew back to Illinois after the honeymoon, flew back to Florida right after that like get together with family, and then I started the new ministry job like two days later. Wow. So we did all the big That's three crazy. like in two weeks, because why not? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, that was seven years ago, and then a few, few seasons of ministry later, and we know God's real because he called us back to the Midwest and uh, away from the beaches of Florida. <laughs> yeah. <and now> we're here. <laughs> That is real. Everyone says, "How do you know? How do you believe? In, how do you know you believe in God?" It's like because I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe in God. That's very true. Uh, no knock on the Midwest. We're like the opposite. She married me because I was a youth pastor at the time, and she wanted to be in ministry. And then now I'm a contractor, so, <laughs> so I got yeah. out. And she so jokes on you, yeah, Steph. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Thanks. When we were dating, Annie explicitly said she didn't want to. Uh, I did be a pastor's wife. She went to Bible college. I did not. But Bible college, she, at the time, she thought she wanted to like be a pastor's wife. And then throughout that, she decided she did not. I dated a couple guys who were going into the ministry. And after that, I was like, no, nah, no. Nah. And I was like, yeah, that's no problem. We're great yeah. then. This will be perfect. Yeah. And, that's uh, interesting. We can probably share that story too. But you should first say, uh, tell us who you are. My name is Annie. I am Adam's wife. <laughs> um. Yes, Adam and I grew up very differently. He talks about how their morals were kind of vague and that Jesus, following Jesus wasn't a thing. It was the exact opposite in my family. Everything we did revolved around church and Jesus and every family discussion we had would always go back to like what is right and wrong and like what would Jesus do, you know? I don't think I ever wore the bracelet. Oh, uh, I was going to no, say. But yeah. I- <laughs> Matching she braces. definitely wore the bracelet. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> she if had I the did. T-shirt. Are the you hat. wearing it now? Uh, not right now. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so yeah, I would say my faith story is just one of God being faithful. Like I grew up in a Christian home. I I truly can't remember a day where Jesus wasn't a part of my life. I know that is a thing. Like I know that I didn't accept him from birth, but I just don't have this huge coming to Jesus story. It was just my parents were faithful and I feel like I reaped the benefits of their faith. And then slowly along through my life, I just have, it was like a slow burn. I just slowly gave my life to Jesus. Obviously there have been times where that stick out. Like I remember my eighth grade year of school camp was a big camp week for me. And when we had our miscarriage, that was a huge faith growing time. So like there's definitely stories within my story that, I can point to, but overall, I just think like God wins in my life. Like he's faithful and he's proven himself over and over again. So why would I not uh-huh. follow that? Yeah. So my story isn't very dramatic. It just is. <laughs> I have that story. Yeah. Well, I don't know that anybody knows it. So why don't, I don't know that I ever, we only ever sit here and interview other people. So people don't know you. So go ahead. I'll just say what Annie said. Ditto. Same days. <laughs> no. I, I, okay. 
I (laughs) grew up in a home. We were at church all the time. Um, so I, and, and it was eighth grade for you too when you were in a Christian rap group. Yes, on hey, this, on a stage looking it's out. True. Thank God. <laughs> it's true. It's true. One hundred percent. What was the name of this rap group? CBE. Christ CBE. before everything. Oh, the guy who was one of the main guys is the guy who started U Version. So really, really, Craig Groeschel. Yeah. Yeah. That's very you can cut So she all that traveled out. with him. And so why haven't you rapped on stage at church? Because I was a background singer. But why she haven't had some you sweet background overalls? rapped? So I, Jonathan's rapped. You should have been in the background. Come on, Jonathan. Yeah. Are there recordings of this somewhere? Yeah. I would like to hear it. Me too. Yeah. We we actually toured. Um, Do you have a t-shirt? Absolutely. I have to see sure. I wear t-shirts. I have t-shirts. I wear t-shirts. <laughs> when he went to interview, okay, he was at my church. This is getting away from my story. He, We met at my home church, right? When we were engaged, he had to go find a new church. So while we were engaged, he was on an interview, mm-hmm. right? In West Virginia. So he was in the car with one of the teens driving, and he's flipping through their CDs, and there's... There's one of our CBC. that's amazing. Yeah, I was like, my wife is on this. That's, that's my funny. fiance is on this. Yeah, uh, super yeah. funny. It was hysterical. You and Bobby G were rapping. Yeah. So I like it. That's um, what actually how we we kinda, that is our connection. We, we met because I was I went to college with Bobby and his sisters. Wow, that's and funny. So his <clears throat> former church when he before he went to Oklahoma was Decatur here in Decatur, <laughs> and so they were looking for a youth pastor. Wow. So, yeah. It's kind of crazy. Look at that. There you go. Yeah, they asked Bobby had um Why did I, you it feels I don't know, microphone. it feels like it's not, <laughs> it's not pointing at you. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> are <laughs> entirely too too much. She said you're no longer a youth. <laughs> you're <now>. head off. <laughs> <laughs> you had her talk about herself and now yes. she's fidgeting. <laughs> she's like more of me. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. How, how long were you? How long were you guys in ministry together when you were married? Six years. Six years. Yeah. No. Well, yeah, it was six. Years. You mean dating? Oh, you no, know no. what? That's we were not. Incorrect. We were only married. Not very long, was it? Yeah. So if we do get to share some of those, like, so <clears throat> this is a good segue. Um, okay. So being as uh, somebody who is giving your life to do ministry, yeah. you oftentimes end up in a place where you're not really from. You don't really have family there. Yeah, It's uh, God is calling you to go minister to these people, yeah. right? And so do you have any thoughts that you can speak to? Like, does that, what does that bring with it? What are the, some, because a lot of people probably don't know what it's like. They just have the people that minister to them. And yeah. so as the Levites, I can imagine, like, granted, you're not Levites. Yeah. You know, but um, as the people who are so in the tabernacle and the in the way the tribes were set up, everybody did their own, did their jobs mm-hmm. and had land and had houses and had inheritances, but the Levites didn't. They gave all that up to be the ones who dealt with the tabernacle, right. and and so that's kind of yeah. a similar scenario. Yeah. Granted, I, I know that. It's not accurate, yeah, but it's similar to like the priest, like the Levite, Levitical priests, maybe or yeah. The, and yeah. so you're set apart mm-hmm. as somebody who's just given your life to do the work of the church, and so in that comes with what comes with that is a lot of things that people may not be aware of. When God calls us to be set apart, how has that affected you? Like in in positive negative ways, um, when you said, "Okay, we're moving to Florida," or "Okay, we're moving back to the Midwest," or "Now I've got to leave this place and go to another place because of doors that are being opened," how is that affecting you? Yeah, that's a good question. I still remember. I still remember. <laughs> She's saying you're saying too much. No. You don't see it, but yeah, she's she kicking tried, me. She tried to move the mic again. She's kicking me. <laughs> I remember. I can uh, say it however I want, Stephanie, because I can cut it. Just chop it down. <laughs> She's like, "Can you also crop like the camera and just move it over?" <laughs> uh, no, I, rem- I remember, uh, and I know you remember this. <clears throat> like when I, 
so I, I it was like late in college. I was like, okay, I feel like God might be calling me to something. I didn't have words for it or anything. You wouldn't um, have used the word calling. I wouldn't even have known the word calling. Um, like now I'd probably use the words like conviction or calling or like fulfillment. And at the time it was actually through like a summer camp and I was like doing that and I was like, man, there's something about it that maybe I would have said fulfilling or there's just something about it that felt like joyful or like, right. Yeah, I just felt like, man, this is different than other jobs I've considered. Like everything else I've considered up to this point is like what gets me to like the lifestyle I want or the dream mm-hmm. I want or to use what I think my education has prepared me for to be a successful and whatever I can be. But there's just something about that. I'm like, man, this feels good. Like it feels like, yeah. And now it's like, like fulfilling or conviction or calling towards this thing because it was a Christian camp. And uh, so I had a guy that basically said, hey, you want to help me get this youth thing started at this church? He was new into the church. He was in the hood of Springfield and um, where we're from. And I was like, okay, sure. And basically next thing I got kind of got tricked into being a youth pastor because like six months in, he's like, hey, you want to preach on a Sunday? I'm like, can I do that? Am I allowed? I don't think I should be allowed to do that. Like, I don't you, think you should have been allowed to like, do that either. Like if you knew how I spent my Friday and Saturday nights, I shouldn't be allowed to do that on Sunday morning. He's like, no, I think you should do it on a weekend. I'm like, okay. And I like copy and pasted a sermon basically from like one of my favorite preachers that I listened to on YouTube kind of thing. And, and this was still when you were kind of living duplicitously. Yeah, for sure. Like, Saturday night Adam and Sunday morning Adam were very different. And I didn't think it was wrong even. Like it, was, it wasn't even like I was trying to necessarily hide it. Like yeah. it was more of just like, a, that's just what you do. Like you're different people around different people. You know, like that's just how, it's how you think. It's how the business world operates, whatever. It's just like, yeah. You act differently around people you're close to. You act differently around people at your business associates. or Yeah, you weren't trying customers. to be deceitful. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, you're just... Now looking back, it was very duplicitous. It was very manipulative in its own ways. But but I remember like, okay, that like crashed hard basically. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not... I don't have the character for this. And like now I'd say things like, I, my character outpaced my... Compet- or my competency outpaced my character. And had to like take a step back. <clears throat> Thankfully, I had some mentors and things in my life. But... And that's when Andy kind of was in the picture later on after that. But I remember the day, and you probably could say it better than this. Do you remember the day when I came to your apartment? Oh, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Do so, you want to share your perspective of yeah. what happened? So Adam had been, it was very obvious to me. We were dating. He was working in the finance world doing investments. And I just like watched him kind of start to decay. Like his soul was just decaying. And he would often say things like, I just, I don't care about like wealthy people with money. Like I care about the person, but I don't care about managing their money. And it just yeah, like- I care I, about the people. Yeah, But he's dealing sure. with like numbers all day and dollar signs. He just, you, I slowly watched him just get super frustrated and like yeah. unfulfilled. And then I will never forget the day he, he was coming over after work to my apartment and we were going to watch a movie or something. And he walked in and he was just like, I need to talk to you. And he, he was so nervous, probably because I made the comment about not wanting to be a pastor. More than once. More than once at this point. And, but to be fair, I'd, I was kind of prepared for this conversation. He made it a little obvious. So he, um, he just said, I really need to talk to you. And he started talking about how I just, I can't do this anymore. I don't think I'm cut out to be an investment guy. And um, I think I might be called to ministry. And he was just, I just remember so clearly, he was just staring at every, like all my body language and my facial expressions. And it makes me giggle now, but I get why you were that way. Yeah. And I think I felt that. Like, I didn't know. I just remember feeling like the, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something else, you know? And, and then like, so to your question, like, I remember that feeling, but then there was like some freedom where like, okay, let's go into ministry. But then from that point forward, it's like, there were different challenges along the way, of course, you know? So I remember uh, some of those mentors that kind of encouraged me to go into ministry, like full-time ministry vocationally, uh, were some of the ones that connected us with the job that we ended up working in Florida. So I remember leaving family. Like that was super hard. Like I'm the oldest of four boys. Like both of our families live in the town where we were moving from here in central Illinois. And we're both uh, close to our families. We're both very close to our families. And like, I'm about to be like, move now a thousand miles (laughs) away. Like that was weird. And 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 everyone's like, why? Why?" One, they're like, why would you leave the job you have? Because like, you're on a path to have lots of, you know, the financial success you want and these yeah. things. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to people why you would do that to begin with. Mm-hmm. But then like, why would you leave? Like every, every person you know or every family member you have is in this geographic area. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to explain that to you because I don't know how to explain to myself. I'm not fully convinced myself it's the right thing to do. But we just felt like it was what we were called to do it. And uh, so that was hard. And I remember, I remember us getting food like with my dad right before we left, like we were driving down to Florida. It was so emotional because I'm like, I guess I'm leaving. 
I mean, I'll see you again, but it was just like that weird emotional. I like, feel like I won't cry. Yeah, oh I mean, gosh. we were like, I know it that. felt like a finality. Yeah, like I was like hugging my dad. I'm like, <laughs> I guess I'm leaving you now. Like it was just like a weird mm-hmm. goodbye. Like yeah. I knew it wasn't forever goodbye, but it felt very like life as life we know as, it is open. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. life as we know it is not the same anymore, and that was weird. It was really hard. Harder yeah. than it hit me out of nowhere. We had that same. I mean, both of us have that same. I loaded up my U-Haul behind my truck, everything I could fit in the little trailer behind it. That This is all I owned. And then drove to Illinois to a place, left everything, Oklahoma, where I lived, all my family. And I just come in here and know nobody, a single guy. So it was, was, Hmm. you know, no, nothing. We get married. You tell that side. Well, I just, you... I, I don't want to say you let, let go. Like you had to I, find I had a to, new church. Yeah. So I met her. I was her While we pastor, were engaged. So there was that. While we were engaged, you had to find a new church. <laughs> and it's like, I grew, yeah. I don't think context is important. Yeah, just, we, you know, we should have left that. I was her youth pastor. You can cut that out. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. It was just, I was saying. Yeah, I had to move. I grew up here. Yeah. I went to yeah. school here. My parents still live in the same house. Yeah. And yeah, we went, we were eight hours away. Yeah. So it's almost like it was, yeah. but I also crazy. think as soon mm-hmm. as that kind of wore off, like that, almost like a fearful, like I'm leaving everything I know feeling, we're both pretty adventurous right. and like down for new things. So I think after the initial sadness was over, we both were like, let's do this, like let's do it well, yeah. let's live in Florida, let's go to the beach. Like then it became a fun thing mm-hmm. too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a lot of mixed emotions. Yeah, I remember I haven't thought about this in so long, but I, I remember know. we were in our, our my because we had a jeep at the time. Which that's a whole nother, I'll say that too. But I, we had this Jeep at the time. I bought, you know, because I was young, out of college, and making more money than I should have been, and uh, bought like a brand new Jeep straight off the lot. So we were driving that down to Florida. And I remember for the first eight hours after we left, like that lunch with my dad, I don't think I said a word. No, like, I, I, I was, was I was freaking out. <laughs> she was probably like, "What?" I was that? like, <laughs> I don't he, know. "He's going to change his mind." Like, yeah. <laughs> we're going to turn around. I don't think I said a word. I didn't know what to do. In that and moment. we probably hit like somewhere in South, like Tennessee or Georgia. I don't know, and like. I think that's when finally, like, okay, like, this is going to be fun. Because I remember, too, the next day, like, we pull over, like, the big Skyway Bridge in South Florida where we're moving. Like, this is, like, paradise. Like, this is where we're about to live. And the adventurous, like, fun kind of set in. I've traveled this big world. Lonesome I have roamed. I've laid down in green pastures. I've rolled down rocky roads. As my hair turned silver, I lost my lust for gold. Now cups of wine can't satisfy. Thirst within my soul Narrow is the road The road to glory Perdition's gates But then other realities started sitting in too, you know, like with the Jeep, for example, like uh, this might be a shocker to people, but you know, the investment advisor salary and a youth pastor at a small <laughs> church are a little uh-huh. different. You know? <laughs> yes. Uh, so I remember we had to sit down and basically be like, you know, we can't afford this Jeep forever anymore. You know, like uh, I didn't really think about it up until that point, but now it's like, I don't, we can't keep this. So I, I remember getting rid of the Jeep and that wasn't fun. Yeah. And know? what did you start driving after the Jeep, Adam? I drew, what was that? It was like a 1997. <laughs> it was a, it was a uh, gold, gold Buick Century. Buick Century. It was yeah. hilarious. We bought it off of some like 88 year old woman or something. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> that's not true. That's you said that true. for dramatic effect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we actually and not only did we drive that we shared it we yeah, had we one shared vehicle it. at the time too you know, uh, <laughs> it's like your green bonnie <laughs> so yeah. uh, it was just those kind of things you just don't think about like mm-hmm. some of those and even still like if I'm honest like what how many seven years later eight years later um, that sacrifice still feels like a lot like that feels like a, I know this sounds melodramatic but like the you know the take up your cross daily. I think one of those crosses I take up daily is like the desire for more financial success in the world and mm-hmm. for dreams that I feel like I had to give up to do ministry as a, as a vocation or as a job. Um, it was super hard then. It's less hard now, but it's still like on the dark days, I'm like, I could go do something different, make more money and, you know, care more about me than other people and those kind of things that definitely like still fight mm-hmm. in the mind. And uh, yeah, I think there's also other days too where you're like, this isn't what I expected. And I think you could, I can think of tons of stories of the, I mean, probably similar to Levites. I feel like I can relate to them in the way of like, you know, some of them were like, oh, this isn't the job I, I want. Like, why yeah. do I have the not sexy job? You know, yeah. like <laughs> as a youth pastor of a small church or pastor of churches with, like I'm cleaning bathrooms sometimes. I'm like, yeah. this isn't what I signed up yeah. for. And I'm like, 
Um, you're setting up chairs and tables for events when no one's looking. And, you know, I still remember in Florida, you know, it rained all the time. And we had this youth room that was also attached to our house because we lived on the property of the church. And yeah. uh, it like rained a ton. And I spent like two days shot vacuuming like three inches of water out of the youth room <laughs> and like just stuff like that. that you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, what am I doing here? This is not what I expected this to be. Yeah. But can you think of other stories of like, this isn't what you expected? Um, I think the thing that jumps out to me the most is just like, it can get really lonely because you don't really fit anywhere unless you're in a room with other pastors. And I feel that the most when really it's a lot of settings, um, like with friends that we had before we were doing ministry or people who aren't Christians. It's like, I can still be in a room with other Christians, but as soon as they find out, it's almost like they view us as like the clergy. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. I can't, I have, n- I no longer can be myself around you. I like, I just think they think that we're going to judge them immediately. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. And, well, or even with our Christian friends, it's the opposite extreme. It's, Oh, okay. I need to watch what I say. I need. I can't come across hateful. I have to, like, you know, it's can just, I cuss around my friend? Yeah, he's a pastor. You know, like those kind of <laughs> like, things. Like, and, <laughs> and then even sometimes, like, you feel it the least. I would say with other pastors, but even still, there's some that like we are working, are working, quote unquote, in a world of morality. So, and everyone's morality is a little different. And because of that, everyone puts their morality on us. Yeah. So if you believe that ever saying a cuss word is wrong, we are not allowed to do that in front of you. Or if you're the person who, I don't know, just like everyone, or yes. Anything, yeah. And, if we, and so we get critiqued at a whole nother extreme because we are your pastors yeah. kind or of Or parenting or whatever it is. It's like, and so that just feels mega lonely. It's like, not, like mm. me and God, we're good. I feel convicted about what I feel convicted about. I like, we talk, I'm good. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm getting judged to a completely different standard by other people. And it, unless you're just really secure in like your calling, yeah. I totally understand why people step away. It's just lonely and yeah. hard. Yeah. There are moments that it's really hard. I joke often with people that I try really hard to hide what I do for a living outside of the church. <laughs> and everyone thinks it's like, I'm not, it's not because I'm ashamed. Like I'm not ashamed of what I do. It's just, it changes immediately yeah. my relationship Common with that Common ground person. is gone. Uh, so whenever people ask, like I, I've, I've gotten really good at like dodging the what do you do for a living question with people. Like we had this neighbor <laughs> in, uh, where we lived last and I knew this guy, we knew him for probably a year and a half. And I would talk to him all the time. Like we always try to like, you know, get to know our neighbors and those things. And like we'd mow our yards together. I'd walk down the street with the dogs. And we'd stop and talk for a long time. And for like a year and a half, I dodged perfectly every time. Like anything <laughs> occupation would get brought up. And then one day I made the mistake and started talking about what he used to do. And that's one of the cues I've learned. Don't ask them what they do, or then they're going to follow up asking you what you do. Uh, so I never asked them what they do. But this one time it got brought up and he's like, yeah, I don't think I actually know Adam. What do you do for a living? I'm like, I can't lie though. I'm not going to lie to someone about what I do. So I told him and I knew this guy for probably a year and a half. And as soon as I told him I worked for the church in town, he used the word Lord like eight times in the next sentence. I'm like, I've known you for a year and a half and you've never used the word Lord once. He was like, you know what? The Lord is good, isn't he? Today's the, today's the Lord's day. Like, and sometimes that's a good it's thing because yeah. it like breaks down a barrier where like people can talk about spirituality. Maybe he's feeling the same thing. Yeah, yeah. maybe he's like, like finally, oh, thank you. Finally. Totally. I don't, with this guy, I don't think that was the case. No. <laughs> But, uh, he's, like, he's probably thinking the Lord is good because now I don't have to get this guy saved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, he's like, oh no, what have I told this guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah but, so yeah, there's some of those expectations. I think yeah. that's the thing that comes to mind immediately. Yeah. We kind of we feel that too, probably. I mean, we're not in professional ministry, but I feel like we're pastorly. Hmm. You know, we, have, we try to involve ourselves in a lot of people's lives and do the ministry that we can. Yeah. Um, but also, since we've come down this uh, whole testament path, um, <laughs> we look different than everybody, <clears throat> and we, we that judgy thing. Yeah. People think we're judging them because mm, yeah. we live a certain way, <laughs> and n- people have a hard time inviting us over to their house or because they don't That's know. Because <laughs> we have a million. Yeah. When you bring a football team, it's kind of hard. <laughs> really the poorly behaved. Us over. They do, which is a blessing. Oh, so, yeah, so, yeah. And I even stuff like, you're that. kind of, 
not the face of FCC, but you're on you stage a ministry. lot. Like I forget. You, <laughs> like you are on stage. She is. I'm like, I should <laughs> She uh, is. She is on the staff. My bad. I don't really feel though she like. Is. He's like, we're not really a ministry. What do you do against Stephanie? Uh, I don't. <laughs> but don't you feel the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I don't know why that. it feels different, though. What I do feels different than, <laughs> you, <laughs> than just, you being on staff at church. It feels different. Uh, All I'm the Old Testament users not only do not know who Stephanie is, but you don't either, apparently. <laughs> okay, so um, I do work uh, with your wife, by yeah, the way. In case you didn't know that, I yeah, know. yeah, I see her pretty often at the church. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. My bad. Oh, shoot. It's true, though, I, I, and I can understand why you would. But relate. she's not a pastor, so people don't see that as the same. And there's she's different, a choir there's different pressure and expectation. Correct. Too. Correct. Yeah. They don't yeah, come fair. to me with their well, not as much. Yeah, as you that's get. probably fair. Hmm. And I think there are, and maybe like into the point of like the Levites you're talking about, I think there are like some, some of those like, I don't know, pressure or expectation or just like the challenges that like you experience. And I'm sure you guys do remember from your days too, just like the, that are hard. And I think that's why too, like to be super clear, and we don't feel like we have to say this, but like I feel like for Andy and I both, we've been here in Decatur, head of CC for a little over a year now. Um, we're super thankful for it. And I think like when you step into something that's healthy or healthier, um, it's super noticeable, right? It feels black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've experienced that for sure. And I mean, I think I can say this, like I've heard Annie say so many times this last year, how thankful she is to be here, which is really refreshing. Cause that's one of the other challenges I didn't expect. Cause when I like, when I first said yes to Jesus and then said yes to Jesus, like as a career, if, um, it was as a single guy mm-hmm. and I was only thinking about like myself and what I was committing to, you know, I'm like I can commit to this, but like once you're married and now we have two kids, it feels like a different thing. Cause it's the, I mean, man, some of the hardest days for me in ministry have been the days when Annie's just like, I'm miserable or like, I'm, I feel depressed, you know? Uh-huh. And now I'm sitting over here. It's like, not only do I feel like I'm struggling to work, but I'm coming home to a wife that's like miserable because I have her there. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I was the one that mm. was called here, not her. We were called together, but like, this is my job, you know, she could walk away right now and have nothing tied up. I'm the one that's tied to this thing. And those are the hard days, um, some of the hard days. And uh, so being here, we're so thankful. But yeah, there's been lots of challenges leading up to this year, season of ministry and um, that I could think of if you want to talk about some of those. But yeah. Yeah, whatever, man. You yeah. Want to? yeah. I didn't know what you... Well... <laughs> Yeah, I don't have Give a whole this test- guy a mic and he'll talk forever. <laughs> I don't have a no, whole testament hat yet, so I don't know if I'm supposed to oh, I'm keep sorry. talking. Here, I'll or, take it off my head. It'll be greasy. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the stereotypical joke. Give a pastor a mic and you got to turn it off eventually. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I noticed your wife isn't doing this, so... <laughs> so I don't know how to train my wife, I guess. Oh, we need to, oh. Can I have some counseling after this? On, you I'll do smack you it. later for that comment. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys are going to talk in the car. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I do yeah. what my wife does for a living, though. So that's good. So yeah. how about before, because this, um, before we go to some of the <gasps> harder things, yeah. maybe let's talk about a couple of the, like, this is this is why... We're glad we did this. Yeah. Those ones are the ones that are fun and easy to talk about too. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I mean, the first thing I think of, you're going to have to jump in or I'm just going to talk, uh, <laughs> but I'm not trying to put you on the I'll spot. Um, I mean, the first thing I think of when you say that is like, I think of faces, you know, and like, mm-hmm. those are by far the easy ones to think of. And I mean, I think of names like Ryan and Will and John who are like attached to a person that like God's been gracious enough to not only bring in my life to become friends, but like for whatever reason, he's allowed me to be an impactful part of their life and that I get to hear them either directly or indirectly speak highly of me of what I've done to them. And it's like, man, I don't feel worthy of that at all. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like that just feels like a joy that I don't think I would have gotten in other ways, you know? Um, and uh, to be able to like look at people and hear them, tell how God has changed their life. And I was, a, I'm a part of that. Like that mm-hmm. is, that's just such a gift, you know, that I don't, I don't ever take lightly. Like that's 
to this day, it doesn't fall short of me of like how important that is in people's stories. And cause I have those names too. And like when I tell my story and I think of names like, like Drew and different names like that and Seth, like I know what kind of weight I ha- those names have in my heart and on my life and that I'm that for someone is just huge for me. And um, also that I just get to see like different families change. And I've got to, mm-hmm. I've, I've been able to share Jesus with someone that didn't know him and watch him grow and baptize him. And then he baptized his best friend and then his whole family gets baptized and like they're going to church together and talking mm-hmm. about faith stuff together and talking about the Bible together. And it's like, that's just so cool. And like, how can you not do that? Yeah. Uh, or how can you not love that? And, yeah. Uh, but that's the stuff that I felt that fulfillment stuff before. And then now I get to like experience it more and more. And uh, I'm like, yes, this is what I did sign up for. Like, this is what I was, it's what I expected, but even more. It's, it's immeasurably more than mm-hmm. I could have even expected in times. And, and, there's, and there's like selfish stuff too. Like ministry is just fun. And yeah, that's uh, what I was going to say. Like when we did youth ministry in Florida, like he, yeah, he talks about the, you have to be the janitor sometimes. And there's a lot of that, especially in a smaller kind of setting. There's a lot. But Especially in youth ministry. When you're not doing those roles, at least our time in Florida with the youth ministry, there were some moments that were just so much fun. Yeah. Like the energy and um, adults are just very different than mm-hmm. student ministry yeah. kids. <laughs> so it's, I just remember all the fun we had in Florida with those kids. Like we do like huge events and have you know, tons of kids there and yeah. messy games and like working with other groups and having you know, hundreds of kids run around doing stuff. It's just fun, you know, and yeah. it's just like Food watch them laugh. And, and again, there's lots of cleanup afterwards and stuff, but like <laughs> it's just fun and uh, watching them laugh and like, ex- yeah. and I remember those experiences for myself when I first started going to church. Right. Like those kept me interested in faith or interested in what it could mean. Yeah. And, and when you have fun together and you play together, sometimes that births the best yeah. awesome conversations mm-hmm. and it's just yeah that in and of itself is so fun like watching them learn who Jesus is like we didn't talk about this beforehand but this just popped in my head that like watching people because of how we might have conducted ourselves different yeah. than their parents or different than other church people they knew it was so fun to see them be like huh I've never thought of Jesus this way Mm-hmm. And I don't say that pridefully. I just say that in a way of like, we were able to present Jesus in a different way than others might have. Yeah. And that's a humbling feeling. Like that's yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. And I think that's like the weight of the role that we had. Yeah. And that's why it's like, we take, we've taken it very seriously ever since then. Just knowing like, we are people that they see, but we're also like a role in their life because of our my job. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, so we conduct ourselves with people because of our convictions and like who we believe Jesus has called us to be. But then also I have to take seriously the role I feel like God has put me in because that's like another weight for people. Like what I say has the weight of Adam Hammerlink, but has the weight of their pastor too. And like, that's just something we've always tried to steward really well. And it's some of the best conversations we've ever had with people are like on the other side of really fun nights or, you know, the, the midnight, you know, conversations or the <clears throat> post summer camp, you know, 1 a.m. in the dorm room kind of thing or whatever, like those conversations. Or after a grueling road trip. Or after long drives or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, you know, and it's just yeah. some of the best conversations because they see us as people Yeah. and uh, not yeah. everyone gets to see that. And in other jobs, you don't have that opportunity just to be so close to them and mm-hmm. um, rubbing off, yeah. Yeah. And I can think of a lot of other- Also parts. just like because of ministry, <clears throat> we've met some amazing people yeah. that like if you would stayed in the investment world, we would have never had the opportunity to meet. Yeah. People yeah, who pe- have changed both of us spiritually and grown us yeah. spiritually. Because there's great people and great friends you can find in all careers, but like we found people that not only became great friends, but like great mentors or great influencers <laughs> or just, yeah, great life on life kind of people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in different areas and different cultures too. You know, like I was very culturally blind and didn't realize it. Like I was, not that it was a bad thing necessarily or that it was like malicious. It was just, I didn't realize how, you know, um, ethnocentric I was, I guess, or, um, and then, you know, moving to South Florida, like that's a very diverse area and meeting people of all different, you know, backgrounds and just moving over different places. And we've got to live in great, some different places that we would have never lived in before, um, for the same reason. So, uh, the relationships, whenever we think about places we've been before or areas of ministry we've done the last several years, like it's people and relationships that we first think of. Mm. Yeah. And it's allowed us too. like, when I think of like the joys of it, um, it's allowed us to, to have conversations on a more frequent basis that I think maybe life could distract us from mm-hmm. in other career paths or professions. If, um, cause now like 
a lot of our world revolves around Jesus and scripture mm-hmm. and truth mm-hmm. and the gospel mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how to communicate that to people. Mm-hmm. And we get to watch people do that the wrong way or do that the hard way. And we have, we get to watch people come through messy things and we get to be there in the center of it a lot of times or, or I'm around it and we talk about it. And, or you're teaching uh, a class. Or, yeah. So know. we just, it allows us at home and in our own lives too, to have a lot of those kind of, we're just around it a lot and it feels good. I think maybe very similar again, keep bringing it back, but like to the Levites probably felt like it, it very much is like the center of our life in a lot of ways. Um, Which is refining. Yeah. It can be refining. (laughs) Yeah. It makes us question a lot. What do we actually think? And what do we believe? This isn't just things we say because we think about it and talk about it and discuss it. And like, I don't want to be the guy that just drank the Kool-Aid and is repeating what he's heard once before, (laughs) you know? Uh, That's something I worry about all the time. Like, I don't want to be that guy and I don't want people to think I'm that guy. Like I want it to come from here, not just something I've memorized or something. So we just consider stuff a lot. And yeah, I appreciate that about, I mean, I appreciate that about you. Like, it's not very, it seems real, you know? It's like, I push a lot of buttons with theology to, to anybody I can, you know? And you seem to like, be like, oh, let's think about this, yeah. you know? Not just, so I appreciate that. It seems yeah, like thanks, you're man. pretty genuine guy. I, I don't know you very well, but... <laughs> We may, I try to uh, be. we may revisit that next year. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> genuine, genuine feels like a good word for Adam. No, I yeah. think so. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't hide who he is. Not anymore. So um, I do. <laughs> I do think I just heard your baby crying. So maybe we'll just go toward. We can skip the the struggles. The struggles are real. Yeah. But I what think we you, shared a couple. Yeah, yeah, you did. I mean, yeah, you did. Um, so. Maybe as we kind of round out the end of this, what as some as the person who has placed himself in between the people and God? Yeah. Um, I think probably for me, I'm not always in that position, but I kind of assume myself into that. <clears throat> I, I'm real close on the tribes up to the Levites. I don't, not quite a Levite, but. I'm right there. My tent is right up next to it. And um, I feel like there's so much that I desire. I just wish people would. It's like probably a struggle, a conviction, and a blessing all at the same time is that the call that he's put on you is not so that you can stand, be a preacher and everybody go, oh, what a great sermon. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. That's not what he's called you to. He's called you to like... Your heart is for the people. Your yeah. heart is for God. And so yeah. as we, I don't know who's, we don't know who's on the other end of these cameras or on the yeah. other end of these headphones that they have in their ears, but as somebody who's in between, hmm. what is it that your deepest desire, if you could say, this is what my desire is for all the people that I have any influence over? Hmm. Man. I'm good at this, so I'm going to give a really long answer. Um, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about some of the things that, uh, when you put yourself in that position, that that are hard. Um, and I know you said not to talk about the struggles, but I'm going to talk no, about No, do it. Things. I don't care. Because yeah. um, some of the things <clears throat> I've, I've struggled with over the years is that when you put yourself in that position, right? Like where, you know, we think of the Levites or when I think of what, you know, modern day pastors are, right? Is like you have you have those two things to do, right? You have, you have something that you're doing like towards people on behalf of God and something you're doing towards God on behalf of people. You know, it's mm-hmm. like this back and forth thing. Um, I'm doing, you know, they, they would do the sacrifices towards God for the people. They would speak towards the people on behalf of God. And similarly, even though I don't do any sacrifices for people, it's, it's similar in a way, right? Uh, and then some of the hardest things in ministry have been when that care or that passion or that love for people or for them specifically isn't reciprocated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so hard is when it's like, I care for you and I care for your your faith and your heart more than it seems like you care for your faith or your heart, let alone for mine. Mm-hmm. And if any time, if anything, it's like, sometimes you see like, you look at me antagonistically or something, you know, like I'm, cause no one likes the guy that tells them they're lukewarm. Right. And like no one likes the guy that challenges them to give up something or to sacrifice or, you know, like, as we see in scripture, like no one likes the guy that says like, return to your first love. Like, yeah. you know, cause you're telling me that I'm not there now. Like, that's a hard thing to hear. Like the, the voice of the prophet in the old Testament and in the new is like, it's a, it's a wrestling voice. And I feel like the modern day pastor has a lot more like resemblance to like that prophetic voice, you know? And, 
And that's not a fun position to be in sometimes because you feel like you're telling people, hey, what you're doing right now, like God wants more for you. Yeah. And, yeah. and when you mean it, and I feel like for me, it's like I said, it's like, I don't want to just say that. Like, I want to actually believe that. Like, God, do you actually want more for people? It's like, I'm only saying it because I really do believe it. Like, I think God wants more for you. And this is hard when you feel like you care more for them than they actually do. Yeah. And, uh, and that's tough. And it's tough when on, at the same time, like transparently, like you have that imposter syndrome because syndrome, it's like, man, but if they knew the me that I know, yeah. they wouldn't listen to a word I actually am saying, you know? <laughs> and it's like, uh, if they know the me that I think I am, you know, the dark night of my soul, Adam, then they're not going to listen to anything I have to say. And like, worse than that, like God knows the me, should I even be saying anything at all? Yeah. You know, like that way. Um, and that's why I think preaching so hard, you know, it's like the, every time I get up to preach, it's the, I mean, I am speaking on behalf of God to the people, but I'm a broken, messed mm-hmm. up person. And um, yet like, okay, God, would your word, would your word cut through like a double-edged sword, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it's just my mouth that it's coming from. And uh, so like my life and my mouth, the hope is worthy of that, you know? Like, so it's the constant meditations in my heart and the words of my mouth, be pleasing and acceptable to you, God. Like, it's just, that's a weight. Um, so I guess I say that as my roundabout way of, um, I just think of the voice of the prophets and I think of Jeremiah and I think of just how much they cried out for the people, you know, of like that they're rejecting the Lord. And and I think of the return to your first love, you know, and like the like in Revelations, those are some of the, and maybe that's what it is. I'll just land there because I am talking. You're fine. I think in Revelation, I... Like hey, whenever I, it's a podcast. People listen. I can just hear go. you talk. <laughs> is anyone yeah, even there? Is anyone still there? You think it doesn't matter. You think they're still there? <laughs> I don't care. You're listening, right? I am. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think when uh, the verses that like, or like the part of scripture, I think that most keeps me up at night sometimes, or not, not literally sometimes, but sometimes literally, uh, is when I just think about the letters to the churches, and I just think about how mm. um, the time will come when um, people will come face to face with God and some of them will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I didn't even know you. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. and it's like mm-hmm. you did miracles in my name. You taught my name. You preached in my name, yet I don't even know you. Or you were so lukewarm. Mm-hmm. I spit you out of my mouth, you know? And I think of just the churches when, you know, Jesus is then calling them to like return to your first love. And, uh, like is me and my kingdom what really is like your first love and uh, or do you look more like the lukewarm church or do you look more like the people of Jeremiah's day of like that are rejecting the Lord you know and he's he compares them you know to an adulterous person you know because he's like you say one thing but yeah. that's not actually what you love so I think for the people and like for me too at times it's like is is this your first love and like for the followers of Jesus it's like um, do you need to return to your first love? Like, do you, um, do you remember what it was like when like Jesus first captivated your heart and your mind? Like, do you remember what it was like when you first felt the freedom from your life, from your old ways, from your sin? Like, do you remember what it was like to like believe that the blood of Jesus washed you and that he's called you and that you're a beloved son and daughter? Like, do you remember that feeling? And like, are you living from that place or have you gotten caught up in like this, um, like a, I heard a, I can't remember if it was a preacher now or a book one time. And uh, I was trying to think of it for this because uh, of the sub, um, tabernacle that you've been talking about. I can't remember what it was, but it was, uh, I think it was a message titled like a church of Levites. Um, and I remember just taking away from it that uh, um, it's so easy in 21st century church to become a church of Levites where we're all like this Christian huddle. And we all like, we've forgotten what's happening outside of our little insulated walls. Mm-hmm. And we've forgotten that there's a real world around us with real physical We're really needs. We're really good at talking the talk. And- We're really good at doing the re- re- religious rituals. Mm-hmm. And we're really good at saying the right things and doing our sacrifices and having our liturgies and having our things. Mm-hmm. But we've forgotten that there's a world out there that God loves and that he's called us to go to the receptive people and the people that are hungry for him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so often um, in the church, it's so easy to like, just to try to like reignite people that have become inactive, you know, mm-hmm. instead of like pursuing people that are receptive and hungry, that are hurting and lost around us. And so if, for the Christians, I would say, go to your first love. And for the non-Christians, I would say like, Jesus loves you. And uh, I hope there's a church around you that 
has people that are returned to their first love and want to welcome you in. It reminds me of what you're saying. Made me think about if I pulled my phone out, I could find it. But uh, one of the prophets talking about like if if you're like the guy on the watchtower, <laughs> if you don't sound the call, yeah, then you're the one responsible. Yeah. Like I just don't, you know, for all of all of us who don't get, it's not what we do all day long. Getting paid to go and have our minds on that. It doesn't change the fact that we're still the watchman on the wall, that we're supposed to be sounding the alarm to the people around us, you know, like Peter says we are a kingdom of priests outside of just getting paid, you know, which has been really hard for me because I feel like that's where I want to be, but I spend most of my time doing constructions, tearing out nice stuff to put in nicer stuff, and Mm -hmm. it can Mm -hmm. become like... But it's like, am I just, every opportunity, am I just sounding the alarm, you know? Hmm. Making people aware, because if we're not, then we're the ones that get held accountable. Yeah. And if we are, their response is on them, but we're no longer held accountable for it. Hmm. And so, yeah, that. And that's when you have to really consider, like, who am I living for? Because when you sound the alarm constantly with no feedback, or at least the feedback you want, it feels very like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who, yeah, who's the recipient of the alarm you're yeah. sounding? Yeah. Or the purpose. Yeah. I think that's why, like, for Jesus, for the prophets in the Old Testament, like, God's always had a heart for the receptive people, the people that want what he's offering. And we see in Matthew, we see when he sends out the disciples, it's the, hey, when you go into the towns, if they're not welcoming and not listening to you, then shake it off and keep moving. And for God's people, it's like, if their hearts are hardened to what you have to say, then move forward. Because I've given you the ones that I've chosen for you. And um, I think it's so easy in ministry in the role we have to feel like you have to sound the alarm for the ones that are Christians, but not hungry anymore or not, you know, that have lost their first love. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that's, that's just a tough, there's a tough line to walk down. Yeah. It's still sounding the alarm though. Cause yeah, like yeah. you said, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? Yeah. I mean, we're not even doing that. I know. You know? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Away from me. I never knew you. Yeah. That's a, yeah. I feel the burden. I feel that burden. Yeah. Well, you know what? How about I, do you have something, Steph? It's Second Corinthians, so it's it was confusing to me. But since we have such a hope, we're very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yet to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. So I just think there are those who... Mm-hmm. There are those who don't, who just, I said to you when I read this, are there certain people like, Lord, please let it not be these people like you pour out, you pour Mm. out your soul to day after day, you know, but it feels like maybe sometimes they're, they have the veil and they're just not, they won't come to it. So that's hard. That's a hard place to be. And it feels like that thought is just terrifying because it's like, if that is our ministry to those people, mm-hmm. what am I doing and why? Like, why, yeah. God? Why would you put me in this do we position? Keep, do we keep just putting it out there? Do yeah. we keep yeah. trying with the same people who just don't want it? They don't mm-hmm. want it. I feel like that, if I could get, to, when I get to heaven, if we're allowed to ask, ask God questions, I feel like one of the top ones that's come surfaced over years of ministry has been like, that's up there. Of just yeah. the, God, do you actually harden the hearts of people? Like it seems yeah. like your word says you do, or you at least don't open their eyes mm-hmm. to what you have for them. There's a veil over them. And if so, like, why did I feel so convicted yeah. to reach those people for yeah, so right. long? Like, but you that? also see in scripture over and over again that like prayer changes things. Yeah. And that like, 
I have to be careful with how I say this, but like you can advocate for that veil to be moved. Yeah. And I think the longer we do this, the more that I throw my hands up a lot more. The like I have no control here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can only do so much. And I think I think I can speak for both of us. The like my prayer life has grown so much just because it's like ministry relies on prayer so much because yeah. without it it's like you are only words without God changing hearts and you can't force yeah. God to do anything, but you can beg and ask and plead. Absolutely. And that's basically yeah. what we're doing anyways. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like yeah. sometimes it feels like you're like begging people to like take seriously what you're about to say mm. um, or what you're doing or what scripture says, which is what you're about to say. And, uh, and we see it in scripture too of the, how many times do people like see miracles yet walk away? And how many times do like people hear truth preached from the very mouth of the word, yet they walked away? So it's one, it's like encouragement to me of like, if they walk away from me, then like I'm on the same team as Jesus. Like we're on the same, we have the same experience. Uh, but you have that thought when you're in a very healthy yeah, yeah, situation. When, when, when I'm in, <laughs> on good days, I'm reminded of that. Days. But I just think of, you know, you, you think of the people when Jesus cast demons into the pigs and they run off and it's like, they walk away. Or you just think of the people that are fed Miracles, but they walk away because just not what they're they, scared. It's not what they wanted, or it's not what their eyes just couldn't see. And Jesus Himself is like His disciples, like, why do you keep talking like confusing ways? Just say it more plainly so more people get it. And He's like, you don't understand. Like those who have eyes to see will see; those who have ears to hear will hear. Like those who the Father has given me, I came for. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I don't, yeah. It's the so. I mean, often I find myself praying. I'm like, okay, God, like, give me eyes to see then who you've who mm-hmm. you've given to yourself, yeah. like. Yeah. Give me eyes to see the people that are, and I just use language hungry and receptive, but I, I, those are like words for me to like understand like this idea we're talking about, those people like who the father has chosen, mm-hmm. who the he father has given Pharaoh's us. He hardened Pharaoh's heart, he softened Pharaoh's heart. Yeah, and uh, I want, you know, and I remember there's there's like cold ways to think about it too. And, and like, I remember Rick Warren talked about it. Uh, I think it's good. Like, I don't think it's bad, but just like, he just said it super simply of the like, you know, you fish where fish are biting. You know, and like it feels super cold, but like, you know, it comes from a place of we have this, my life is also breath. Just as much as I preach other people, like my life is too. And God's called me to steward that well. And I may not be a pastor my whole life, or I may not be in the position of leadership I'm in or authority I'm in or whatever that even means my whole life. So like, I want to steward that short time well too. So like fish are biting in certain places and they're not in other places, but like everywhere we go so far, like we've never, God has never called us somewhere where we haven't seen people of peace, people that are receptive, people that are hungry. So I just want to pour into those people. Um, mm. And what the hard times mm. have never come from those people. Like the, the hard parts of ministry have never been that. Like those have been the joy and the rewarding parts of ministry. The hard times have come from the people that like don't want to hear some of the things I'm saying then or, yeah. or disagree with certain things that are happening or, you know, yeah. like that's when it's tough. Is that yeah. or, the, or why aren't you meeting my needs more or meeting, you know, my expectations of you more. And, uh, that's why I've had to get careful because I'm like, well, right now I, I don't, I can't afford right now to care that you're upset with me because there's people here that have needs and that are hurting and are hungry yeah. for God to save them and for Him to meet them where they are. And um, I'm just trying my best as a messed up dude to figure that out too and yeah. how to do that well. Yeah. yeah. I think I've had to. Um, so I'm not in ministry, but I kind of am because I have a podcast, you know. So. I would say you're doing ministry yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting because like having to trust God on because I have I have two cameras, <laughs> four microphones, right, and a computer, and that's it. And so it's like I have no idea. Mm. I have no idea. Mm. I know that people are listening, mm. but you have no idea whether you know what you're. Th- what God is using yeah. in your life. And so that I would encourage you also yeah. as somebody who's struggling in it in it day to day, day mm. in and day out is it's really just like this. You yeah. have no idea mm. what God has planned yeah. and what he's using you to do. I have received, you know, I've been out a long time out of the professional ministry and still get a random thing from somebody saying, hey, you know, 
this changed me. And I was like, I don't even remember that. <laughs> so Did I say that? Yeah. I don't think I said that. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't sound like... Sounds really sound good. Like, he sure came for me. <laughs> I should write that down. Can yeah. I quote myself? I don't know. Dave yeah. Campbell said this one time. Um, yeah, so that's the the struggle really is, you know, the all the seeds that are being planted and that prayer and that continual, continually cultivating the soil over and every day, over over and over and over and over and over and over, every day. Yeah. Um, because we just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That would be the landing for me. Is that, uh, I think of Matthew, what is it, 13, Parable of the Sower? Um, I planted. What was that? No. No, that's yeah. Paul talking about Apollos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's Matthew 13. It's in a, it's, it it's in a few of them. It but it's... And he's talking about the soils, right? And I just think of the, at the end of the day, it's the, um, some of those soils aren't, aren't prepared in a way that they can receive uh, what is being planted. And for those that are followers of Jesus and for those that aren't, like it's the, you, ha- you can have a role to play in being prepared to receive it. Mm-hmm. And that may, may, that may look like receiving God's love and mercy for the first time and his grace and his forgiveness and just the overwhelming presence that he offers, um, or it could like preparing yourself in a way to receive the calling he's giving you. And like, that's what it was for me. It's just like unknowingly I was prepared. Uh, my soil was yeah. being prepared yeah. in college. Yeah. Um, and since then it's like, now I want to knowingly and intentionally prepare the soil of my heart for whatever God has next. Like I need to strip away the things that need to be stripped away. I need to lay down the things I need to lay down. I need to, if I need to go to counseling, I need to go to counseling. If I need to have the hard conversations, I need to have the hard conversations. I need to ask people to come around me and call things out in me because if, if they don't, no one will, and then my, I just won't be ready for what God is going to want to do with me next. Yeah. And uh, so that I can make him my first love. Because uh, if anything's going to be your first love for long, you have to constantly make it your first love. Like You don't just say it's your first love and it stays mm-hmm. your first love. Anyone that's been married for a while knows that. And... Uh, or anyone that's had anything decent, you know, anything nice, you know, any whether it's a physical thing or not, you know, it's like it doesn't stay that way. And mm-hmm. um, the same thing's true of your love for the Lord. It's just the you have to you have to prepare your heart and constantly refinish and redo that soil to make it prepared uh, for Him to use you the way He wants to. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure having you guys. Thanks. I'm thankful. Dave. I wish Annie wouldn't have talked so much, but that's okay. Um, Take the mic from me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there you go. To uh, just, I'll just would like to pray for you guys as uh, okay. as we close out and pray for our listeners and watchers, uh, viewers. Is that the correct term? Viewers, um, watchers. That's good. You watchers. can say whatever you want. I don't think I've looked at the cameras yet. Should I look at them? Like somebody <laughs> watching. <laughs> Stephanie, where's your wrap? (laughs) Fred needs to throw that just on the audio underneath the clothes. All right, so Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, your hand and your work in the Hammerlinks life. And I praise you, God, that they were willing to say, I don't want to be a pastor's wife, and yet here I am, a pastor's wife. And to say... Um, I'm going to give up all the nice stuff uh, in hopes that somebody will uh, see Jesus in me. And so I just pray, God, that you would bless them, that you would pour out more and more of your spirit upon them, that you would put a hedge of protection around them because we know that anytime we're doing something that matters, the enemy tries to destroy it and so i just pray god that you would just watch over them i pray that you would watch over little jenny and judah as they grow up in the house of a pastor god that you would just guard their hearts as they see what their daddy and mommy say and do and then see their real lives as they're at home that you would just uh, protect them and help them to learn about your grace in the process and that um, god that you would just multiply their efforts as Adam disciples and leads people into greater things than what their life already has right now, God. I just pray that you would just do amazing things. And I pray, God, for my wife, who is also in ministry, uh, God, that you would just bless her efforts as she um, 
gives up her talents and cares and and she really does care for uh, the people that she ministers to and I just um, I'm so thankful for her and her heart and I just pray God that you will just um, continue to use this podcast to speak into the hearts of people and as people are listening or watching God I just pray um, that you would help their soil as Adam has said become cultivated help them to hear your voice and if somebody's listening and you're calling them out of the life that they have into something more significant I pray God that they would be willing to take that step no matter how scary it is or what they have to give up but God that you would just give them your hand of mercy and your spirit just leading and guiding them and giving them the strength to do what they need to do and I pray God that you would just help each and every one of us have the strength and the courage to sound the alarm that uh, you are coming back and you are going to separate the wheat and the weeds and so just give us the strength to find the awkward situations to be able to say hey I'm a pastor (laughs) now let's have these weird conversations help us uh, God to just further your kingdom. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Whole Testament, a podcast putting the Old and New Testaments back together. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So share the show with your friends and family and be sure to leave a rating and review. We have an exciting summer ahead with a super sweet smorgasbord. What's a smorgasbord? Well, it's like a buffet. We'll have a whole bunch of topics on the table and you'll be able to pick and choose as you go. If you love the podcast and want to find out how you can help support it, visit our website at thewholetestament.com. We'll see you next time. I don't know that they can even see you. They don't need to. You got to scoot up. I feel like a little kid. (laughs) I'm hanging my feet down. Oh, look at me. I got a podcast. All right, so it does actually look kind of funny, <laughs> especially when your pant like pulled up. I know, right? I, I'm getting, I'm getting Ezra vibes. <laughs> you, can, you can move. Here. You need like a cushion behind you. It's like your couch booster seat. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I had to do. <laughs> I had to push her back out.